0: Welcome to the Virtual Staff Room, a podcast made for teachers, by teachers, and all with a dash of educational technology thrown in. My name is Joachim Cohen, and today, like every day, I'm joined by two rather awesome members of a Technology for Learning team, Linda Lazenby and Yvette Popchoglian. Welcome team! So what do we have in store for you today? It's a focus on digital problem solving. Let's get straight into it. Now, many of you might have heard of a little piece of technology called the microbit, a small microcontroller that puts the power of physical computing, circuits and programming in the hands of students, makers and so much more. Now, it's short to fame in the UK when as part of a collaboration with the BBC, the microbit was rolled out to every year seven student, a rather awesome and game changing initiative. But that was quite a few years ago now. However, the little digital dynamo is still about, and today we are going to see what's new with Microbit and also learn about a way they in the hands of students have the power to change the world as we speak with Microbit guru and their education manager in the Asia-Pacific region, Waris Kandra, beaming in live from Hong Kong. Welcome, Warris. Hi, Joe. Now, Worris, we're so lucky to have you and you've had such an amazing life's journey. We want to know if you can tell us about your passion for digital technologies and empowering the next generation. How was it sparked?
1: Oh, thank you. Um, Really, many thanks for inviting me here and um, it's great to be in this program. Um, My starting point is from my own childhood, um, my own experience back in Indonesia. Parents were both illiterate and, you know, they just want to give their best education to their kids. And as I grow up and becoming parents, you know, I like to pass this to my kids. Back in year 2000, uh, marking the millennium back then, I had the opportunity to witness the growth of Internet technology. And that has made its way to become mobile technology now. Um, Back then, human resources with digital skills and technology were in huge demand. And it can only get more demand in in the future. And um, back in 2016, I started experimenting with a microbit and I thought, you know, I, I have to introduce this to my kids and probably to a lot of other uh, students um, all over Asia. And um, I was really fortunate that I had the opportunity to join the foundation in 2017 and uh, I never looked back.
0: Oh, such an amazing story, Warris. And, you know, coming out of, of um, you know, really being something that, you know, made you passionate because of the opportunities that it provided for you and can provide for so many people, uh, that, you know, that really um, brings it right at home. Don't you agree, Linda?
2: It sure does. So, Horace, many of our listeners know what a microbit is, but for those who don't, can you give us the lowdown?
1: Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the BBC microbit is a pocket-sized computer. Um, it introduces you how software and hardware work together. It has a few sensors on the board, uh, LED light display, buttons, buttons sensors and also um, the amazing uh, input and output features that when you program it it can interact with you and also your world and my daughter always like to say this microbit is just magical it actually stands for something um, it makes the digital and physical world connect together um, so we have worked very closely with our community to make it even easier to get the most out of the device um, so I think the first thing that we need to do is to, you know, getting hands-on and experimenting with uh, the microbe.
3: So, Waris, it's Yvette here. Um, we know that it's a very powerful tool. How are students using it in the classroom? Such a little piece of tech but yielding some great results. What are they doing with it?
1: Oh, okay. So um, I think the microbe helps us to understand how a computer works. When we type on our laptop or touch the screen on our phone, we're actually using an input device. So our uh, inputs allow computers to sense things um, that is happening in real world so they can make something happen. And usually um, we need an output like a screen or headphones to listen to the music. And in between the input and output, there's a processor. So um, it takes information from inputs like buttons and makes something happens on the output like playing a song. Um, so in the classroom, students are using it um, in their projects, um, in the group work, always in within uh, computing technology and science lessons but every now and then we have a lot of teachers and students who are using it in arts classes as well. Mm -hmm.
2: So we've definitely learned that it's not just about the technology but the problems it can solve. I know you talked about group work and things. Can you tell us some of the amazing solutions you've seen students develop using the micro:bit?
1: Oh, wow. Um, I think it's anything, really. Uh, to me, it matters when the students take the initiative to figure out how to solve problems and not just, you know, consuming the technology. Um, I I think I'm always impressed when they, you know, when, when they tell me, I like to use the technology to save the planet. So students who are embracing how to use the microbit in different stages, um, you know, they have different type of solutions and thinking about what they want to do with it. And what is... the What is amazing is the originality and the creativity of their ideas on how to solve these problems. Um, Normally, you know, they find this out from their daily lives and surroundings. Um, And lately, with, uh, you know, with the introduction of uh, new challenges um, in our daily life, they, they like to add the social purpose to digital learning as well. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, when they apply digital skills to real world solutions, that is when it is best.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's a, a mantra that, you know, we all here in the Technology for Learning team, you know, 100% agree with it. It isn't just about, you know, using the tech, it's about using the tech to to think about how it could it could make a difference. That's for sure. And. And um, you know the Microbit company itself, or or the foundation, uh, it's it's a bit unusual. It's not like other companies. Can can you kind of tell us a little bit about the foundation, its mission, and and its vision?
1: Sure. Um, the Microbit Educational Foundation is a not for profit organisation. Uh, we are based in the UK, um, although you know we have a lot of uh, of our colleagues everywhere else in the world. Um, our mission is to inspire every child to create their best digital future not by making them coders but you know uh, finding out those solutions to solve their future um, by making the microbe the easiest and most effective learning tool for digital skills and creativity we enable children to partic- participate in the digital world and we particularly focus on girls and those from from the, the disadvantaged groups our mission guides us to support Exceptional educational programs across the globe and working with you is one very classic example, but it makes a lot of impact. Um, The foundation works in partnership in more than 60 countries now, uh, collaborating with a lot of educators, partners, government uh, organizations to create and curate exceptional curriculum materials. Um, Yeah, so, um, you know, collaboration is really key for us. And uh, we always like to build support um, for communities of educators and partners, and hopefully that removes the barriers of learning digital skills.
3: Mm-hmm. Such a cool vision, Waris. Uh what are the what are the skills the students are actually going to need to succeed in using a micro bit or in po- problem solving real world challenges? What are some of the those skills that they that we want them to develop?
1: Um I think, uh, the 21st century competences uh, is definitely very critical. Um, So we always like to promote the use of creative, uh, creative use of technology to unlock their own potential. Um, Since it's launched in 2016, the the microbeam has helped over 25 million children, um, just to learn computing and digital creativity skills. And um, we are really happy to be able to work with you Uh, and hopefully we can make our contribution to extend the reach of the microbit usage and get in the hands of every child.
2: Incredible. Now, Boris, many of our listeners might be just about to tune out because they don't have a microbit at at home or at school. Do they need one? Is there anything we can do to help them?
1: Yeah, um, this is an easy answer. Is no. (laughs) Anyone could learn how to use the microbit from our website, and there are lots of various videos and learning resources which can teach them step-by-step you know, um, and embrace the use of microbit in uh, at home or from classroom. Um, and during the pandemic, a lot of students are using MakeCode platform, which is a free platform with great simulate a microbit simulator. And students can program the microbit on the simulator. And what is even better, um, within the MakeCode platform, it also comes with hundreds of lessons and resources, so they don't need one.
3: Yeah, I love that, Morris. Um, Now, there is something very exciting in the works this year with Microbit and um, also with us. Um, We are working towards uh, solving some uh, very big global challenges. Can you tell us a little bit about the Do Your Bit challenge that's happening right now?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Um, Do Your Bit um, is produced by the Microbit Educational Foundation in partnership with the British Council and World's Largest Lesson. Um, I think the objective is to have fun with Microbit and develop world-changing ideas and solutions using technology. So the Do Your Bit Challenge, um, we focus on goal number three and goal number 13, uh, which is good health and well-being and also climate action. Um, And the Do Your Bit um, is open for everybody to join.
2: Yeah, and I know there are a lot of um, students and teachers that are keen to, you know, support some of those global um, challenges we're faced with. If teachers are keen to connect their students into this competition, what should they do? Um, And again, do they need a micro bit?
1: Um, they don't need a microbit so what happened is that they can check out our website at microbit.org slash do your bit and we just want the students to design a solution to a problem that affects uh, the students and their own community or another community somewhere else in the world Um, there are two categories this year uh, one for 8 to 14 years old and then the other one is 15 to 18 years old And um, to enter the challenge, they will just need to tell us the solution um, of the problem, what they have created, uh, why they have created it, and how it will help the community or another community. Um, Yeah, so please do check out our website.
0: That's fantastic. You know, I, I love the idea that you don't need to have a device. It can be a totally, you know, a dream activity where you just get to think about how technology could really make an impact on the world. Um, it's a fantastic idea and to be solving some of those those amazing global challenges that I think it would be, you know, I can't wait to see what students create. It'll be unbelievable. But, you know, I, I want to geek out to finish off here, Warris. And I've heard that there's a new version of the micro bit, like a version to Two on the street. Can you tell us about it? Why is it
1: awesome? Um, so the new microbit, it continues to support all of the same features that teachers and students have come to love. Um, with all the existing lessons and code for the original microbit will be compatible with the new device. Um, we added a few um, features like built-in speakers so students can take their creativity to a new level. Um, they can compose music, give projects a voice and personality, or even build an orchestra um, of interactive motion-sensitive instruments. And with the microphone, it also allows the device to respond to sound. Um, you can tap control and control our creations, or even make a disco light that does dances along in time with the music. So um, what happened with the new Microbit is that um, we want it to be a little bit more powerful it's uh, just powerful enough to run machine learning systems and the foundation hopefully will support um, these new f- uh, resources in the future. And as our community spends more time with the device and explores the capability of the hardware, they can then take advantage of these exciting um, machine learning and AI possibilities through applications that respond uh, to advanced patterns of sound, voice, motion, or light. And it's all on the microbit board.
0: It's amazing, isn't it? It's unbelievable to think that such a small little device like that Warris, can actually help our students to tinker to develop these skills that they can actually use to solve real problems uh, at school but also beyond. They're gaining those key skills to use with um, technology tools for the future. Now before you go, we're nearing the end of our podcast. One thing we do with every one of our discs is we're guests is we play something that's a little bit similar to Desert Island Discs, which is famous from a UK podcast, except we call it rocket ship robots, Morris. Now, what the challenge is, is you've got to imagine, we're really good at imagining here, you're imagining you're in a rocket ship, you're on your way into outer space, what piece of technology would you take with you? I'll take a bit. Oh, I knew it. (laughs) I
1: love it. It will will keep you going forever, won't it? You'll never be bored. It will, because imagination is the only limit. Um, You know, I would like to bring that with me. So um, that will keep me company for a long way to go, and I'll be able to experiment just to think about what I can do, you know, to solve any problem that I might face in the space.
3: That's a classic answer, right there, Waris. I wish <laughs> thank i could have that one. Yeah, I was You're good. Exactly I mean,
0: right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, as Yvette said, Warris, thank you so much for joining us. It's really great work you and the foundation do to build the next generation of makers and creators. So don't stop. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you for speaking with us here on the virtual staff room.
1: Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: So, listeners, if you're like us here in the virtual staffing, you would have been really inspired by hearing Lawrence's talk just then. Now, we did have a few technical issues. Unbelievably, Lawrence has got two of his children at home homeschooling, and our amazing Linda Lazenby troubleshooted. She figured it out, didn't she, Linda?
2: Yes, that was my win for the day. I realised that the children on their live video calls may have been causing connection issues.
0: So we managed to write it. So hopefully you heard everything that Warris said. But Linda, Yvette, I was totally inspired. What would you do with a microbit?
3: Okay, so as a keen gardener, there is one very cool thing you can do with the um, the microbit, and that is measuring the soil, the moisture in your soil. And I think that's quite a useful thing, especially if you're rushing out to check all the time what's happening with your garden. So that's one thing that we've actually got in the
0: magazine coming up this month. You know what, Yvette? In addition to actually just being able to measure the moisture. You get really geeky. Mm-hmm. You can kind of connect a pump to it as well oh and make gosh. it a self-watering plant.
3: Next level. You're free to set that up for me. Aren't that you takes that it takes away you needing to garden anything.
2: Now I stumbled across um, the step counter that you can create using the Microbit, which helps support the UN Global Goal of good health and well-being, which is the third goal. But the step counter super simple to make. Pop it in your sock. If you don't use an Apple Watch, you can track your steps that way instead. Wow, mm, I know you'd I be a fan that of that, one. Linda. Yeah, yeah, I am. Joe, what did you what What did you find?
0: Well, everyone knows I like everything with wheels on it, so um, I would absolutely create some form of smart city. That would be what I would be doing. So you know, think traffic lights, think um, sensors that automatically turn on street lights, those kind of things. That would be what I would get out and create. I know I would need a whole fleet of microbits. Yeah, to I make thought that I
3: happen. only had
2: one. That's why I went with.
3: That. I was like, I'm sorry to visualize for dummies here. Is it like say with matchbox cars?
0: Yes, absolutely. Okay. Exactly right. And you'd have sensors that they'd run across, so it would actually trigger. Got it. Because that's how lights actually work. You know, I didn't. You know, you do when you pull up to a set of lights. There's a magnet that can actually sense, maybe I've got this wrong, but I think I'm right. There's a magnet that can sense your cars there. See, I used to be a scooter See, I thought rider. I that was an urban well, myth. yes,
3: I was behind a motorbike the other day and I had to wait th- for three sets of changes.
0: That's right, because it didn't sense the motorbike. Mm. It's really frustrating when you're a motorbike rider. I find myself going backwards and forwards <laughs> until I figure out where the magnet is. <laughs> yeah,
3: and the car drivers, thank you, Joe. <laughs> exactly.
0: Oh, dear. Now, maybe you're considering where to start in this big world of digital technologies and microcontrollers. Team, what are some of the amazing resources you have discovered that will empower young digital problem solvers? What have we got to share? Yvette, start us out.
3: Okay, so I'll admit this is microbit adjacent. It is not actually a microbit technology, but uh, just given that we're celebrating yet another Mars rover landing um, it very successfully this week, Mars Perseverance, um, I've been having a look around at the NASA website and students were actually involved themselves in the States in naming that craft, but there's also a wonderful um, repository of resources called Space Place and it's got really practical activities for the classroom, including, um, you know, building a physics machine using, you know, whatever you might have on hand. Um, It's really comprehensive. It's broken down into things like Earth, Sun, solar system, universe. It's really great for the science classroom or for
2: the STEM classroom. So that's a nice one there. We'll link out to that. Uh, Linda, what have you found? Um, I would recommend you look at the STEM learning library. Um, and in our search at the front of the page it's if you go to I want to explore how to use and you can choose microbit there are some fantastic resources there um, some of our learning challenges on the use of smart cars and bee pollinators all link into how you can use a microbit in your classroom to do some project-based learning um, some fantastic resources in there and there is information about the do your bit challenge there also.
3: Yes and can I also do a little mini plug too for magazinet for all because we're covering microbit As well, the Do Your Bit challenge too, and we've got links out to some of the activities we've discussed today.
2: Fantastic. Joe, what have you stumbled across? Where can people go?
0: Look, I love the resources that Warris mentioned. So he mentioned the Make Code website, which has got some great lesson plans, and also the Microbit website, which contains some super resources there as well. But one of the things that sticks out to me about the Microbit is that it's a physical computer, so it's not something you have to do just online. So I jumped into the EdBuy catalogue to take a look at some of the extra little accessories you can get to go along with your microbit. So there are loads of them there. Um, I'm actually going to put a link out to an external site though, which contains some great inspiration. And as I was talking about, it kind of contains street lights. It contains traffic lights. It contains badges. You make a microbit badge. What a cool activity to do with your new students coming into year seven or transition students. And you can actually wear your name on an electronic badge, it blows my mind, the physicality of the micro bit. So that's my go-to. So whilst we often have the last word in our podcast, from now on, we want to give you a voice. And so to close us out, here is a little gem of techno wizardry wisdom from one of our amazing teachers in a New South Wales public school. Hi, my name is Rebecca Toltz. I'm a teacher librarian at Bourke Street Public School. My teacher tip is Google Jamboard. It's such an easy and straightforward Google Suite application that staff and students can use it for many, many different activities. We've been using it this week, in years three and four, to Google image search, pieces, photographs of food, and then use the pens over the top to illustrate and make our own surge block-inspired metaphors or similes. We add a text box, we type in what our metaphor or simile is, And uh, if you look on my Twitter feed, Toltsable, you'll see that um, I've taken a photograph of an egg and I'm cracking up. Thank you. Okay, Team Supreme, are you inspired? Yes. An amazing guest. The best of techno wizardry wisdom. Jam-packed episode is all I can say. Linda and Yvette, are you already excited about our next episode? Absolutely. Any sneak peeks?
3: Um, no.
0: No, you're not going to give it away. I can tell you, you are going to want to tune in.
3: Just a little note, please be aware that all views expressed by the podcast presenters, that's us, are our personal opinions and not representative of the New South Wales Department of Education. Discussions aren't endorsements of third-party products, services or events. And please note that as much as we sound like it, we are not experts in legalese, tech speak or anything in between. We're just passionate people keen to boost technology for learning in the classroom and to help build the skills in your students and for you to solve the problems of tomorrow. Do your due diligence, read further. And if we've got something wrong, let us know. We too are always learning and always improving.
0: This podcast has been produced by the masterful Jacob Drews with the assistance and supreme coordination of the Technology for Learning team. Before we go... Please make sure you send us through your comments, your word of techno wizardry wisdom and your thoughts for new guests and segments. And if you like the podcast, give us a rating so more and more educators find us and be inspired to get a little techie in the classroom. Stay compassionate, stay curious, get creative everyone and thanks for joining us.